Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, I chat with Zoe, an author, first-time birther, and mother of two. Zoe never envisaged herself as a birth mother. It was only when she became a stepmother to her daughter that her heart was open to the intention of creation, beginning their journey to consciously conceive a child of their own. Choosing an intuitive pregnancy and birth that emulated their slow lifestyle and connection to the land, Zoe free birthed her 4.5 kg son at sunrise in their shipping container on 20 acres of picturesque land. We chat about her partner's role, how he resourced himself throughout her pregnancy and committed fully to protecting physiological birth, and how the transformation after her son's arrival inspired the creation of her first book, You Already Knew. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Zoe. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you for being here today. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to share our story. Would you just start off by telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, So for us, we are a family of four, soon to be five. We are going to be welcoming the next soul into our family early in 2023. Congratulations. And so for me, this This will be my second birth. My first daughter is actually my stepdaughter. So my entry into motherhood was a little different to to most people if they're going through a pregnancy and and birthing their first child. So for me, coming to love my first child was through meeting her dad when she was around two and falling in love with him and and also falling in love with her. So she's, she's actually been the catalyst for me changing my mind. I spent a lot of my life, more than the first 30 years, believing that I would not be a birth mother, that I wouldn't have my own children. And Hayley actually changed all of that for me. So she's a pretty special seven-year-old human. And we have Wari, who is 18 months old. Um, And yeah. Can I ask, what does Wari mean? It means river. 
um, up in Cape York for one of the mobs up in Cape York. Oh, so cool. he's really taught us a lot about flow, this yeah. little boy. Was he a planned conception? Yes, he was absolutely a conscious conception. So early in our relationship, I said to my husband when we were dating that, look, I, you know, I'm not going to be a birth mum and if that's going to be a problem, then we're going to need to have that chat sooner rather than later. And, and he was really accepting and then I had to sit him down probably about 12 months later and say look actually I've that thing I said to you I've changed my mind mm -hmm. you're a little person and you have changed my outlook on what's possible for the way that we can raise children together and and I'm all in so amazing that that started a pretty big snowball effect so I'd been really quite focused on doing all of the things I've always been dr driven and called a goer you know accolades for how much I could burn myself out were pretty frequent and accepted so knowing that we wanted to con conceive it really sent us on a journey to explore what health looks like and not in the traditional sense of that you're a size six or a size eight and you can go all day and you don't need any sleep mm -hmm. what did health mean and optimal health for for our bodies both myself and my husband so we went on a preconceptive journey and had a, a range of different modalities helping us along the way with with our with our journey and for me the biggest thing was actually the capacity to be able to slow down mm -hmm. um, I was experiencing some burnout and a whole bunch of physical ailments we'll call them which really all came back to my core problem being that I was too stressed and too much sitting in that sympathetic dominance side of your autonomic nervous system, go, 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 and that I needed to be able to drop into parasympathetic where rest, digest, repair and reproduce live. Mm -hmm. So that, that was us. We did that for around 12 to 18 months prior to our conscious conception. So in part of that was learning more about my cycle and going off contraceptive pills for a period of time to allow that to get out of the body and in those times consciously choosing not to be pregnant and then after a certain period saying, okay, so we're going to swap that around and instead of trying not to, we're, we're going to try to um, conceive. So we had a really beautiful journey with a lot of great people around us to support us in in the information we were seeking to find, we really wanted to approach things through a lens of optimal health and nature, yeah? What's the way we are born and designed to live and to birth and to bring that into everything that we were doing? Yeah, sounds amazing. And were there any particular resources that you used in this time that you found really helpful? Absolutely. So we... We're, we're living on the Sunshine Coast at the moment, but we are from Darwin and Darwin will always be home. Mm -hmm. And so Wari was conceived and born in Darwin and we accessed a, some wonderful resources through the home birth community up there in Darwin. So we had a beautiful doula named Beck who we met with even in that preconceptive journey just to talk about what we were wanting to do and, and how that would all work and where our focuses would be. You know, all, all of the things, we're in such a time where we can access resources. So there's some, as you know, there's wonderful podcasts around that you can have a listen to. So resources like Nourishing the Mother were really important in being able to 
just have a real understanding of a cross-section of the the challenges that we may face or the different aspects of life in early motherhood and, and parenthood. We also attended a hypnobirthing course with our local provider, Nicole Jackson, who is fabulous. Anyone in Darwin, look her up, go and see her at Mind, Bump and Birth. And that was really a fabulous experience for my husband and I, our beautiful, my beautiful stepdaughter, Hayley, was so keen to come along and attend and wanted to be able to be involved. It was until quite late at night, so we did let her know we'd take notes and fill her in while she was up there on a school holiday with us. Um, she she was really involved and really wanted to know all about where Bub was positioned, how things were going to work, how we knew where he was and, and all of those things. So it was it was a really beautiful time for our family. Yeah. And how was your pregnancy journey? It was just a real time of peace. So mm. peace isn't something that I'm overly amazing at finding. And I've found since falling pregnant this second time that it comes more easily to me when I'm pregnant. So whether that's the hormone cocktail or just the fact that I'm better at looking after someone else than myself, I'm not sure. But it was just a real time of peace and trust, just trusting in my body, trusting in our baby and feeling really connected within myself, which was really beautiful. Was there anything you did during that time to sort of get yourself ready for birth? Yes. So we had... Uh, regular um, acupuncture. Mm -hmm. I also have been under chiropractic care for about five years. So that, that just continued on and was modified and changed based on how my body was going. Um, had some really beautiful pregnancy massages also in Darwin, which were beautiful and restorative. I slowed down in my work and I, I made that work in ways that that fueled me instead of draining me. So that, that looked like changing days and, and hours and shifting things around, which was really beautiful opportunity. And yeah, I pulled up work, I guess what people would call early. Wari was born at the beginning of January in 2020 and I stopped working early November. So I had November and December to really just, well, we were renovating. So oh. to renovate when my husband was home and to when he wasn't yeah <laughs> yes I recall being on a ladder painting skirting or you know doing skirting boards and then getting up and doing um around windows and doors at about 37 weeks pregnant so that was that was my last time on the ladder <laughs> and what kind of support did you end up choosing for your birth so from early on we knew that we wanted to have a physiological birth mm -hmm. and one where we were able to just just flow and and move about in a natural way. And so we were living on 20 acres out at Dundee Beach, so about an hour and a half out of Darwin. So we were we were living a slow life where we were really connected to the land um, and everything that was around us. So we just wanted to emulate that in, in all of the things that we were doing. I had some beautiful um, ladies who became really wonderful friends who are part of the home birth community there in Darwin. I also have worked in 
early childhood for 15 years. So I was surrounded by lots and lots of mums and dads and families with young children as a director of a childcare centre. So I was really supported uh, to be able to have a lot of really great conversations. And and it's an interesting one because so many people share that they've had such horror stories shared with me and it really, it wasn't my experience. I don't know if I have the face that says, don't tell me your horror. I was really bathed in in beautiful examples of birth and, and stories around what was possible if we could get out of our own way. I remember our hypnobirthing facilitator, Nick, saying, um, who is a midwife at the hospital as well, saying that, you know, she had witnessed women give birth while in a coma and that was really confirmation to me that I don't need to be there. I just have to get out of my own way and let my body do what it needs to do yeah we're designed for this absolutely were there any other resources other than your hypnobirthing course that you found really helpful <sighs> there were a lot yeah there were a lot um but you know your your Ina may gaskin stuff mm-hmm. um there are, there are so many beautiful resources um a great resource that i got my hands on not long after Wari was born was by a wonderful New South Wales woman, Anna Cusack. Her book, uh, Mama, You're Not Broken, is exceptional. It is an exceptional resource for mums. It looks at unmasking the um, unspoken emotions of motherhood. So it goes through, you know, invisibility and that sense of feeling like you're all alone. It goes through so many wonderful things. I remember driving to town, you know, an hour and a half with a, you know, four-month-old baby who's having having trouble sleeping and listening. She's got it on her podcast. I remember listening to episodes of that and just crying in the car going, yes, you know, slapping my steering wheel going, this, yes, I this is what I'm experiencing. And, and I think that's what we need more of. Like there's such a focus on the preparation for birth and pregnancy and, and, all the things, but it's that afterwards period when the when that initial hype of a new baby and everybody goes back to normal life and you're still really in the throes of trying to work out who you are and, and how to do this, that having support. So I've found that the most important books for me have actually been ones that are about afterbirth. Yeah, so true. Sounds like a great resource. Thank you for that. Yes, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. While on the topic of books, you yourself are an author. I am, yes. Would you be happy to take us through and tell us just a little bit about your book? Absolutely. So just as Hayley was the catalyst for me deciding that I would become a birth mother, Wari's birth was the catalyst for the birth of this book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrote You Already Knew in Wari's first year of life. Um, It's not really a time of life where you have excessive amounts of spare time. So I had to be really clever about the way that I did it. And a lot of it was actually written on my phone uh, during nap time with a with a bub asleep on me so or in the middle of the night when an idea or information would drop in mm-hmm. um, there were also plenty of audio voice recordings that I made in the shower anywhere that an mm-hmm. idea came in I just let it come and then worked out how to put it together into the book mm-hmm. so what I found through my pregnancy and early motherhood journey 
was that, as everyone knows, everyone's got an opinion on what you should do and how it needs to be. And it doesn't really matter what the opinion is or if it's about sleep or if it's about feeding. It doesn't really matter to me what the thing is. It's the underlying message that mothers and fathers are given that is we know best and you need to listen. And with we live in a time where there's so much information that we're losing our intuition, we're losing our connection to ourselves yeah. and our ability to trust in the way we parent the child in front of us. So for me, the writing of this book is about supporting people to reclaim their childhood wisdom. So go back and think about how life was when you were small, what was important to you, what you believed, and how can that influence the way you parent the children that you have. So when I've had conversations with Hayley in the writing of this book, so she was six while I was writing it, and when I had conversations with her about some of the things that she would want adults and parents to know that is important for children, some of the stuff that she came up with was that it would be great if we could go on more picnics. Mm. So we're kids and we love to go on picnics after we've been to school or we've had to go somewhere in the afternoon. Can we just pack a picnic and go into the bush and eat some food together? Yeah. And so being able to see things through that real innocent lens of a child of just because it's hit three o'clock in the afternoon doesn't mean that the day's adventures are done. How can we still get out and connect? And everything she had to say was about connection, was about really coming together. And and quite often the advice that we get is, is contrary to that. So my book is not, you know, a 10-step plan to parenthood happiness because that doesn't exist, sorry, to burst the bubble. <laughs> It's actually about taking you on an introspective journey through your own life and your experiences and bringing forth what you already knew to inform the way you parent the little people in front of you. So I'm really excited to be releasing it. I'm starting work on my next book. I, the wonderful um, mentor that I had when I was writing my book, she said, don't worry, once you write the first one, there will be another one knocking on the door behind and she's right I've got a list of about five and getting <laughs> getting into the next one now any exclusives on what the next one will be <laughs> well see there's kind of a bit of a a jostle okay. going on so it may be a pair of books one for children and one for adults that's around a step parenting journey so the parent one would be on on navigating becoming a step parent there's lots of co-parenting books out there for birth parents looking at how to work together and to raise your children in the best ways possible with two homes. But there there has not been a lot around for people who are not the birth parent, yeah. who are the step parent. So I'd like to fill that void and share my experience. And alongside that one will be a book for children. So Haley's helping me write that one. And that one will be for the children who are navigating two homes. Um, so looking at what that experience is like. But there's also, since falling pregnant, there is a real tug and a real niggle to document that journey and to create a book. So You Already Knew is wonderful for people who are expecting, but whether or not people who are expecting pick it up is another story. So potentially writing something that looks at preconception through pregnancy how to get on the same page with your 
partner or the people that are around you around what early motherhood and parenting will look like you know your approach to parenting like are we doing gentle parenting what do we think about punishments and rewards like these are the things that really need to be spoken about and agreed upon before you've got a toddler in front of you so that's that might end up in front of the other yeah yeah Well, they sound like wonderful creations. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I will put a link in the show notes for anyone interested. Fabulous. So jumping back to your birth now, shall we go to that first sign of labor? Yeah, absolutely. So we were were at home on on the 20 acres. So we were living in a converted shipping container home, which we absolutely loved that we had built ourselves my husband's a diesel fitter but he's also a unicorn wizard scientist of sorts so he he turned his hand to building and um, made us a beautiful home and we had Haley with us she was up for the month of of for school holidays in January and as you know an, an active outdoor small person does we needed a tree house so my husband had been building a two-story tree house because what else do you do um with with our beautiful six-year-old Haley, and he was building that and it was pretty hot January in the Northern Territory so he'd fit, he'd got it the old tinny that was on the block that no longer was seaworthy and had put placed a tarp in it and filled it up with water from the tank so that I had somewhere to wallow essentially <laughs> while they did that um and while I was wallowing in an old tinny I started to feel um, the real pull to go inwards and some things shifting. I'd had acupuncture the day before and we were approaching our, you know, estimated due date, inverted commas, and I'd had a big emotional, you know, experience the afternoon before, so we knew it was getting close. I'd been really hungry, all of the things, like I'm ravenous, I need more food. And uh, as the afternoon progressed, I'd started to... Uh, lose some of my mucus plug and uh, Haley walked into the bathroom and she's like what's that and I was like so this means bub's coming sweetheart and she's like are you okay and I said yep I'm absolutely perfectly fine and so she ran out to tell daddy that the baby was coming and that he needed to finish the cubby house today um, which we agreed yes I will need to finish this cubby house today because tomorrow I may be doing no building so they finished that off and we were preparing to have dinner um, I could still be involved in the day's activities. Haley decided she needed to sleep in her two-story cubby house. Um, so my last task before dinner was up a ladder. Actually, I see I did get on a ladder. <laughs> up a ladder <laughs> into the cubby house to put her swag together for her and, you know, set up a light and all of the things. We didn't think she would actually sleep in the cubby house. It was about 50 metres from the container um she did end up sleeping in there and so then my husband had to help me down the slide I was like if I go down this slide on my own because there was a slide to get off the cubby house I might have a baby at the bottom so he (laughs) helped me slowly down we had our dinner and it was getting a little bit more uncomfortable I was starting to not be able to focus on conversations and really wanted to get inside and and just go inward so my husband took Haley out to the cubby house, came back about 10 minutes, to which I said, where's the kid, thinking for sure she'd come back in. Um, she had her walkie-talkie and she stayed up there in the cubby house 
all night mm-hmm. for I in my mind I had a three hour nap so it was about nine o'clock that things started to ramp up a little bit and but in my mind I just went to bed my husband says I actually only laid down maybe once or twice in that three hours and around midnight ish um, I got up from the bed to go to the bathroom and my water's released all over the everywhere so um, and that's when it really kicked off that's when it was like okay let's get the tens machine and it's actually go time and from from that point I didn't leave our bathroom my husband was the most sensational daddy doula in the history of the land in my opinion he was he was so committed to keeping me you know, he had the water and he had some a sweet drink and he would alternate them and he had the hot face washes and a, a jug boiling so he could rewarm face washes and put them on my back and he, he had it all underway. And at a certain point he called our doula so she would need to travel the hour and a half to us. Um, so he called her and got her on the way. A couple of times I tried to gauge like where we were time-wise. So I would ask him things like, where's Beck? Is, is Beck far away? And and he knew me and he didn't want my brain to go into the analytical mode of trying to assess things. And he just say, she's not far away. She won't be long. <laughs> he didn't give me much to gauge things, but there is a way to gauge. If you're doing hypnobirthing and you listen to sirens of the sea on repeat, you can hear where it shifts and goes back to the start. So I had some understanding because I think that's about 25 minutes. I'd have to check. It's been a while. But I had some understanding of time because that that kept looping. Uh, So I won't do that this time. I won't let the same song loop. (laughs) Um, And Beck arrived sort of mid-morning and I'd seen her lights drive around and a little bit of time had passed and I said to to my husband, where's Beck? And he said, oh, she's texted. She's just out in the car. Do you want her to come in? I said, yep. So she came in and and just uh, sat in Haley's room next to the bathroom, uh, which was conveniently vacant. There was no small person in it. She was outside. And I continued to um, labour with our with a birth ball in the bathroom and just really allowed my body to move in ways that felt good, um, utilising our TENS machine and some hot face washes and it's a really abstract thing to speak about because I really wasn't there yeah. in, in that pre, in that moment. You know, there wasn't conversation. You know, Brendan, my husband, and Beck didn't exchange any words. They didn't have – there was no conversation going on and my body was just doing what it needed to do. So um, Wari was born as the sun rose mm. in the morning um, as it started to become light he came down and um, was born and, and my husband sort of placed him onto the floor underneath me. I was kneeling um, over the top and I scooped him up and he's a he's a big boy. He mm-hmm. was four and a half kilos at birth oh, well done. and scooped him up and he transitioned on my on my chest there and within a couple of minutes I wanted to get off the the floor where I'd been kneeling on. Um, some beautiful cushions and to get into our bed so we went and 
hopped into bed and shortly after Haley called through on the walkie-talkie to see if we were up and we said that we were and she should probably come inside <laughs> because she had a brother. Oh, <laughs> how special for her. Yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing experience and um, yeah, we had a physiological third stage. I birthed the placenta I think an hour or so later and had a shower and all the things and on go your great granny panties and <laughs> back into bed with a bub and yeah so beautiful how were you feeling in those moments just after I still wasn't here even for a couple of days there's a couple of videos of me where Haley's you know being a mother hen and wants to help with the washing and she's asking me a question about if there's any other washing that needs doing and my voice and I'm just, I'm not even here um, I, I heard them several months later and I was like, wow, I still hadn't landed back here in this reality. So it was the most sensational experience I, I know in my, in my life. So yeah. um, it was beautiful. So powerful. Being a bigger baby, was his descent earthside a very slow progression? Was he constantly going in and out? No, not not specifically. He okay. sort of stayed stayed high. I had um, felt at a certain point myself, just intuitively, and I could feel his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I didn't know he was a he, but I remember my husband was warming face washes and I said, quick, get in here. <laughs> The baby is so soft. And he thought, oh, my God, have you had it? Uh, (laughs) um, And that was really beautiful. But his his head was born and then it did take a little while uh, for his body. He was quite a a big boy. Um, So I have a – I injured my left knee many years ago um, on a dirt bike and so I don't tend to kneel on it very often. So – our doula Beck took a short video just as he was the rest of his body was about to be born and I intuitively shifted from being on my right knee and placed my left knee down my injured knee um, and shifted around and that allowed his body to move and I felt him kick which is a very strange feeling on the inside Mm -hmm. um, to kick his way out and then he that's when he was born um So I think I needed to make that shift and to drop that knee and it's not a decision that I would intentionally make if I was um, conscious in the moment or present in the space. It's not the knee that I dropped to the ground because it does um, continue to give me a few bits of grief at times. All of the movements, there wasn't like, oh, maybe I think I might move over here. It just my body would move and there was my husband tells this story much better than I do. Um, and he didn't tell me for a few days, but I almost caused him to pass out at one point. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I had turned around to him and I had my hands on his shoulders and I dug my thumbs in under his collarbones on a particularly intense surge as Wari's head was being born. And I apparently, I wasn't here, I didn't know that I did this, but I, I pushed down into his neck so hard and for so long that he kind of felt the blood drain away from his face and thought, I'm going to pass out, but somehow <laughs> kept us both upright because he was holding on to me. And, and when he when he explained the story, and it's very jovial and it's very, very, um, it's a very funny story. He loves it. <laughs> um, he, he explains it that I couldn't fall over. 
over, you know, because I'm I'm holding the I'm holding the wife, and and I said to him, why didn't you at least drop the face washers? You know, you had a <laughs> a face washer on my bottom, and you know, around on my back, and you had a face washer underneath to to assist um, in in that area. And he's like, well, because I had a job to do, you know, <laughs> I couldn't drop the face washers. Uh, so he was very committed. How amazing! And how is he feeling after being a witness to the power of you birthing? Oh, if it was the thing that you could do, he was like, I'll just be a doula. I'll just, I could just, I could just support birth. I could just do that. But I'm pretty sure no one's going to hire a dad to yeah. <laughs> support them in birth. But he was, yep, I'll, I'll do this birth thing a hundred times. How incredible is that? What about your placenta? Did you end up doing anything special with that? So we had uh, my placenta encapsulated. Yep by a wonderful woman in Darwin and I still have the amniotic sac um, which we will bury at a special place for us uh, in Darwin next time we are up there. So it's still kicking around, coming in boxes with us at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Just quickly, during your labour, did at any point you have fears rise up? No. I had done a lot of... A lot of focus around allowing my body to do what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. We're, we're born to do this. Our bodies know how to grow babies. Our babies know how to be born. And I had released any potential fears that had arisen during pregnancy. During pregnancy, my husband had done a lot of reading around being able to be on the lookout for any potential dangers and I, we had made the decision that I would stay away from that information because that wouldn't be my role. My role would be to allow my body to do what I do and his role would be to to protect myself and, and the baby and that if there was something that was going awry, that he would know how to either manage that or to have us access help if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. You guys sound like a great team. Yeah. So to wrap up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Ah, <sighs> brilliant question. <laughs> I think to me it's that making sure that you've got that really beautiful connection. If you have got a partner that you're talking about, what you know, the way you envision life to be because if you're talking about how you're going to raise your children before you've had them, then you've you've you're sort of starting ahead and that naturally flows into the birth so if you're looking at we want to do you know conscious parenting or gentle parenting or aware parenting or any of the things that to me if you're looking at those kinds of things and they are a a direction you want to go they're naturally going to impact the way you look at pregnancy and birth as well. And if you haven't got a partner, if you're having your bub on your own, who are your networks or your people around you who you can have those conversations with? And just to really think more importantly than that is to advocate for yourself. You know, part of the matrescence journey is being able to stand up for what you believe and and potentially upset people who you care about Mm. yeah so somebody might tell you that you have to have a birth a certain way and and if that's not what sits right with you or resonates with you having the courage to say thank you so much for your opinion but that's not for me because we've got to learn that in pregnancy because we're going to need it when we're mothers Mm. so the best time 
them to learn how to advocate for yourself and what you believe and advocate for your child is before they've even arrived. It will make early motherhood and any potential breastfeeding challenges or any of the things much easier to manage in my experience. Yeah. Incredible advice. Thank you so much, Zoe, for coming on today and sharing your journey with us. It's been awesome to chat with you and congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are all very excited. That brings us to the end of today's show. Some really great recommendations throughout this episode for you all. A take home for me today would have to be the point Zoe made about taking the time to have conversations around how you want to parent your children. By jumping ahead and discussing what parenting style aligns with you and your partner, it almost connects you to what choices will align with you for your pregnancy and birth. I found that such an eye-opening statement and I really loved that perspective. Zoe also points out the importance of connecting to our intuition on these journeys. So many of us have lost touch with our innate knowing, so really taking the time to bring yourself back to connection, blocking out the noise, and making decisions that align with you and your family, no one else. Some really profound wisdom throughout this episode for you today. Please check out the show notes for Zoe's book link, and I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Bye.